morning. May the Lord bless you richly this morning with his peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Such a wonderful time of the year. The leaves are just so, I can't get enough of them. Just the, the handiwork of God outside right now is just amazing. And it's, I was reminded driving the other day that how fleeting that is. They, they, they're, they're, they're perfectly green, and I love green leaves as well. I love summer. And then they turn this beautiful, vivid red, orange, deep red. Um, so, so beautiful. And then you drive by a week later, and it's gone. And here they lay all shriveled up on the ground, completely dead and brown, ugly brown. And they shine, they were just beautiful, and then they fell. Such a, a, a picture of us and life that we're green, we're vivid, we're just in our, and we, we turn into our prime and we, we turn into this beautiful picture of what God wants for us, and then we quickly wither away. Such a, a cycle of life. And let us be reminded of that, that all of us in a hundred years, we're not going to be sitting here. We're all going to be in our graves. It's, 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 uh, it's something serious to think about. And we're going to phase eternity somewhere. Uh, thank you, Brother David, for a beautiful reminder. And we could hear that every day. And again, what I'm going to share with you today is also something that you've heard before. But it serves as, like Brother David said, as an encouragement and uh, lifting up and exhortation. And this is all going to be the same thing here. Um, let's stretch our legs, get up, and invite the Lord again into our presence. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much. It's such a joy to be here with God's people this morning. Lord, thank you for everything you've given us. Thank you for a bountiful harvest that we're, everybody is bringing in at this time. Thank you so much for, for giving us so many things, for our families, for grandparents, for life, for health, for, Lord, all these beautiful things around us, for friends that came for this weekend, brothers in the Lord, sisters in the Lord. Lord, we thank you so much for, for all these things. And we invite you into our presence, Lord, that you would teach us, Lord, something beautiful to hear today that we didn't know before. Lord, speak to us that I cannot with my own lips, but your Holy Spirit can nudge the hearts. And this is what we invite you, Father, forward to, to speak to us in, in such a way to us this morning. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A while back, I came on a devotion by Oswald Chambers. I don't read them every day, but sometimes I do, and I'm very blessed. And this is something that stuck with me. It inspired me, and I meditated on it some more. And it's about 
the title of this message is, Are We Concerned About Usefulness or Are We Concerned About a Relationship with the Father? Are we concerned about usefulness or a relationship with the Father? And we can have one or the other. And I will go into detail of what that means. Being useful in God's kingdom, being useful in God's kingdom is great. That's what we all desire to be. It's when that usefulness supersedes our desire for relationship with God and we slowly turn into hypocrisy and legalism. So are we concerned about a relationship with God or are we concerned about doing something for the kingdom? And hopefully it's both for all of us. We should be concerned about doing a work for the kingdom, but we should be primarily concerned about being connected to the vine of Jesus Christ. And this is what we'll talk about today. Uh, let's reread that devotion. Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Luke 10, verse 20. Do not rejoice that the spirits are subject unto you, but rejoice rather because your names are written in heaven. What Jesus was saying here, that we should be excited that we belong to Jesus Christ. We're his sons. Not about the work that he have just done. About uh, that the spirits that they cast out were subject unto them. Jesus Christ is saying here, don't rejoice in your successful service for me, but rejoice because of your righteousness with me. The trap you may fall into as a, as a Christian work is to rejoice in successful service. Rejoicing in the fact that God has used you, you will, yet you will never be able to measure fully what God will do through you if you do not have a right standing relationship with Jesus Christ. If you keep your relationship right with him, then regardless of your circumstances or whoever you encounter each day, he will continue to pour rivers of living water through you. John 7:38. And it is actually by his mercy that he does not let you know it. Once you have a right relationship with God through salvation and sanctification, remember that whatever your circumstances may be, you have been placed in them by God. And God uses the reaction of your life to your circumstances to fulfill his purpose as long as you continue to walk in the light as he is in the light. This is really good, good substance. Our, and I will continue to quote here. Our tendency today is to put emphasis on service. Beware of the people who make their requests for help on the basis of someone's usefulness. Now listen to this. If you make someone's usefulness and works the only test, then Jesus Christ was the greatest failure, failure who ever lived. Um, and I will paraphrase this in my own words here. This means to me, if we can fulfill successful ministry or usefulness without a relationship with God, why did Christ have to die for us? 
What is the purpose of Holy, Go- Holy Spirit leading and guidance? What good is a relationship with the Father if we can fulfill his work without a relationship? You know, they have a word for it, and that is called humanism. It is working out of human ambition, human strength, human flesh. It is, comes out from, uh, and there's lots of humanitarian aid of very, uh, very good people in this world. They're very uh, meaningful. They're well-meaning people that do all kinds of good things for their neighbor because they want to be a good neighbor. They want to be a good human being. Not, it doesn't have anything to do with Christ. There's the, the world is full of them. But that, will, that is all filthy rags. In the, in the eye of eternity, um, it's all worthless. It will not get us into heaven. All these meaningful, well-meaning things. I have been a good man, and somehow the good things will outweigh the bad things. And it's a, it's a works-based salvation. We're all familiar with it. We've heard it a million times. It does not work. Our service has to come from an inward flowing, an inward work. Then only is it pure and sanctified. Otherwise, it's humanism. Um, Oswald Chamber continues, For the saint, direction and guidance from God himself, not some measure of that saint's usefulness. It is the work that God does through us that counts, not what we do for him. All that the Lord gives his attention to in a person's life is that person's relationship with God, something of great value to his father. Jesus is bringing many sons to glory. Hebrews 2.10. End quote. So this was great. This really made me think, what is our inner motivation? What makes us click? Is it doing some great work for God, being concerned about doing something? And we'll go deeper into this. In Hebrews 2.10, For it became him for whom are all things, and, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. A classic example of people that were concerned about just service in Jesus' day were described in the Pharisees. They boasted about service, but were 100 miles away from a relationship with Jesus Christ or with God. How far are we from modern Phariseeism? Modern Phariseeism. And that's a struggle in each and every heart here. Is to, is to have that balance. Uh, we're doing it either out of a love for Christ or we're doing it out of a feel-good, doing good service, and there's a difference. If we expect something out of a service that we do to another person, it's really not doing it for Jesus Christ. We're doing it for our own honor, our reputation. If we do something for our fellow man that requires no thanks, if we get it, it's good. If we don't, it's good. We, we should be complimentary of each other, but if we do work for Christ, it's, it's not dependent on receiving anything from anyone because we're doing it as unto the Lord. Let not the right hand know what the left is doing. It's that type of mentality. We're doing it for Jesus Christ, not for anybody in this world Matthew chapter 23, verse 2. 
saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you to observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. That is the definition of, of a Pharisee, of hypocrisy. That observes and do, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and, and grievous to be borne, and lay them upon men's shoulders, and they themselves will not move them even with one of their little fingers. But all their works they do for men to be seen, to be seen of men, and make broad their fly, phylacteries, and enlarge the borders of their garments, and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and chief seats in the synagogues and the greetings in the markets and be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. Uh, we recognize these things, the marks of a Pharisee. This is the danger of just focusing on, on just service. We fail to empathize with people and become hardened towards other Christians that we think aren't doing enough service. We judge people who aren't up to our own opinion of what service folks should be doing. Our measure of Christianity become the works we can do for God. We look to the conversion of a soul as a pinnacle of service and tend to abandon these souls that need encouragement by giving a smile or just a kind word. We have our priorities wrong. And we look to certain service as being the pinnacle over others. I want to emphasize this morning that service and works is a fruit of a Christian and will and should truly follow a spirit-led Christian. But having the emphasis on certain fruit is not good enough. It is not our job to determine what that fruit is or how much fruit we will produce. It is our job to be attached to the vine. This is my whole point. This morning is not to emphasize, is having an emphasis on certain fruit is not good enough. It is not our job to determine what that fruit is or how much fruit we will produce. It is our job to be attached to the vine. Then we will bring forth much fruit. The church needs Christians to be attached to the vine not to be caught up with a copycat services. One of the hardest things for me to watch in our church is saints that are feeling inferior to other Christians because they are judging certain services over others. They forget the simple serving services that are at their feet and look longingly over the fence a mile away to greener pastures where other saints are seemingly doing more noble services than they are. I tell you, brethren, Sit at Jesus' feet and start doing the small things the Lord is showing you to do around you right now. You will soon be doing more things for the Lord than you have time for. The church will take notice and entrust you with more services. You will not have time to look at your neighbor's services because you are too busy doing your own. Your very own your very own gifting will be exercised instead of your neighbor's particular gift. You will be doing them with all your heart because it is within your giftings to do them. This is of utmost importance. 
because you can never have fulfilling ministry if you have adopted your neighbor's calling. It is not your own. It is your neighbor's. It is simply not necessary, necessarily your calling or gifting to do them. It is very important that all of us are like a particular leaf on a tree right now. We all have different shades of beauty. And all together, it makes such a, a wonderful and beautiful picture. All of us are not the same. And it's important to recognize we've talked a lot about gifts lately, the last few months on a particular church level. And all of us have different gifts. And many of us uh, that are very gifted have, have uh, overlapping gifts. But all of you that are following the Lord have a gift. It's not a question if you do. It's a question how many. And let us take heart in that, brethren, and be encouraged that all of you are a, a, a living stone in the kingdom of God, that you are all very, very important in the kingdom. And it's, it's the question is, are we connected to that life-giving spirit that we need to be connected to in the vine? I'm confident that today, this very day, Sunday, this very day, the Lord will show you at least one thing you can do for your fellow brother or sister that will lead to the next and lead to the next. It could start with simply picking up a piece of trash around you or saying a kind word to some, someone that needs it. And most of you are already doing that. You understand this principle. You already have a walk with the Lord. You already know that to do the things that are around you then start there. And some of you already have a vibrant service that you are doing that is singularly to your gifts. You're not inferior to your neighbor's gift because you recognize he has a different gifting. Let's not be copycats in other men's service. All of us have our own. All of us are unique and special in a way. How are we to be attached to the vine? This is a mystery. But something we need to understand. It's a mystery, but yet we need to know how it works. But somehow it works. We cannot follow God or be spirit-filled Christians if we are not connected to the vine of God. We will not have the works or service if we are not connected to the vine. What vine? In order for a plant to be even, if we're connected, we need to be alive first. So we need to be born again. We need to be born of Christ. And some of us have backslidden. You still have an opportunity to repent, to get on your knees and cry out to God, and God will resurrect that plant again. We need to and, and be reconnected to the vine of Jesus Christ so we, we can produce more fruit. John 15, let's all go to John 15, and we'll stay on that chapter For the duration of the message, John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. 
Every branch in me that bear not fruit, he take it away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purged it, that it may bring forth more fruit. These words are very, very um, exacting. They're, uh, they're to the point. And we can use our imaginations when it says the fruits or the branches that bear not fruit, he take it away. That means that we are going to hell if we do not produce fruit. Let's not try to be nice and, and beat around the bush. These branches that did not produce fruit, he take it away. He take it away. That means these people are going to hell. It's no easy way to say this. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he take it away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purged it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Jesus, our loving Father, he purges us. He purged us and he, make, he makes us go through the valley that we may bring forth more fruit. And many of us, many of you, brethren, are going through valleys or have gone through valleys. I look in this room and I see a few saints here that are going through the valley. The Lord loves you. Do not despair, brethren, if the Lord has taken you through these times. The Lord loves you. We can be assured if we face trial that the Lord loves us. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purged it that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the words which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abided in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye cannot do anything. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. They are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father had loved me, so I have loved you. Continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love had no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for a servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of my Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, that you love one another. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of this world, but I have chosen you out of this world, therefore the world hated you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. 
If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not, they had, not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hated me hated my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none of other men did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without cause. But when a comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the father, even a spirit of truth, which proceeded from the father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. Amen. These words that speak of a powerful authority we have in the Lord, if we abide and are connected to the vine. These verses speak of the much things that will happen if we are connected. Number one, we will be purged through, we will be purged to bring more fruit, meaning our life will be continuously shaken and purged to bring us closer to the source in verse two. We will bring forth much fruit in verse five. He will answer prayers in verse seven. Whatsoever we ask for will be given. Verse four, he will be glorified in us because we bear much fruit. That's in verse 8. Point 5, he will have the joy. We will have the joy of the Lord evident in our lives. In verse 11. We will, have, we will be a friend of God because we follow the commandments of God. In verse 14. These are all promises if we are connected to the vine. We will bring consistent fruit. Because we remain in the Lord, verse 16. Consistency is very important. We will be incompatible with the world and hated by the world, in verse 19. The spirit of truth, the comforter, will be upon us and shall testify of me, in verse 26. We will have the Holy Spirit in our lives. The fruits of the Holy Spirit will be upon our lives. You shall bear witness of God because he is in you. Verse 27. These are all promises that we abide in the vine. Being committed to the vine is very important. We cannot be scatterbrained. We cannot be scatter-minded in our pursuit of Christ. God hates the lukewarmness of our, and of our love of the world and the love of Christ. Like oil and water, they cannot mix. He who is a lover of Christ and the cross cannot be a lover of the world and the things in it. We can be either one or the other. They don't mix. It's a, it's a very distasteful lukewarmness in the eyes of God. And, it's, and all of us are in various stages in our Christian lives of, of, uh, and journey in our lives to discover all this. It's a journey, brothers. 
but what is our desire? Do we love the world or do we continuously pursue after it? Or do we continuously find ourselves in animosity against the world? That's a good place to be. It's a fight, I know. It's a daily battle. But as long as it's a battle, to unwind ourselves from that. It is a struggle. Nobody said it isn't. Here's a story to help illustrate that being all in, gung-ho, so to speak, being single-minded in our pursuit of Christ, we will either be fully committed or always struggling to commit. He, uh, how do you say that name? He Hudi Menuhin, an American-born and renowned composer. I'm saying, I practice saying at home, but I'm, I can't say it now. Ehudi Menuhin, an American-born and renowned composer and a violinist, very, very gifted, has held audience all over the world spellbound with his conducting and highly skilled playing. He's a genius when it comes to these things. Like many great musicians, his gifts were already evident when he was a child. He made his violin debut in San Francisco at the age of seven and launched his worldwide career at the age of 12 with a historic concert at Carnegie Hall. In his memoirs, Unfinished Journey, Menuhin tells the story of how he began his long love affair with the violin. From the time he was three years old, Menuhin's parents frequently took him to concerts in New York where he heard the concert master and, the, and first violinist, Louis Persinger. When Persinger broke into solo passages, little Ehundi, sitting with his parents up in a galley, was enchanted. During one such performance, Menuhin wrote, I asked my parents if I might have a violin for my fourth birthday and Louis Persinger to teach me to play it. Apparently his wish was granted. A family friend gave the little boy a violin, but it was a toy one made of metal and metal strings. Ihundi Menuhin was only four. He could hardly have had the arms and fingers to do justice to a full-sized violin, but he was furious nonetheless. He was furious. I burst into sobs. I threw it on the ground and would have nothing to do with it because it's a fake. It's not real. Reflecting years later, Menuhin said he realized he wanted nothing less than the real thing because I knew instinctively, positively, that to play was what to play was to be. He knew in his heart instinctively to get the real thing, to play the real thing was where it was at. He didn't want nothing to do with pretense. He wanted a real thing from the get-go and that was it. No halfway toyish thing, the real thing with a real, real sound. That is why many, many parents with the wisdom of a, of a child that, that has a deep interest in music and they're serious, they will never get him a, a junkie something at, uh, at a fleet market. You get him a real instrument that sounds like a real instrument, and then only then can they really play the real thing. And this is what this little four-year-old knew instinctively. He wanted a real thing, and he knew right away when he got it. He threw it on the ground furiously. I don't want this. 
I want the real thing. Hyundai was not content with mere play with a mere play thing, but with a real thing, and that is precisely what he wanted. He did not have time for playing around with a toy because he had been deeply inspired by a real one. Are we content with playing around with Christianity or do we desire to become serious with God? Our fruits will show it. This week we have been covering Second Timothy in our men's devotions and I was reminded of what happens if we don't abide in the vine of Jesus Christ. The following are so-called followers of God but are not connected to Christ. These are the enemies of God and are going to hellfire. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 to 7. And let's soberly listen to these words. Um, it's in 2 Timothy 3, 1, if somebody wants to follow along. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, thankful, unholy, unthankful and unholy. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Verse 4, traitors, high-minded, high lovers of pleasures more than the lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Now, we read these words and we think, this is the world, this is the world, this is crazy, this is not us, this is the world. Who? But then in verse 5 it says, having a form of godliness. These are, these are self-proclaimed Christians. They call themselves Christians. The world is full of them, and it always has been full of them. On the last days they will increase. The Bible says that, having a form of godliness... In other words, they're, they're saying the right things on the outside. They have a form of it. They're supposed to be an apple and they have a shape like an apple on the outside. But look at all these fruits that come out of them. And it goes into more details. They deny the power of God. In verse 6, For this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse loss. In other words, they pray on the vulnerable, those that they know they can overturn. And they, they're, on, they're on TV every day, and they want money from people, and people send them money, and they continue their, their covetous life. And they buy all kinds of jets, but they're also close to home. I don't want to portray a picture of they're somewhere far away from us. They're not, because each one of us has a tendency to become them, if we are not connected to the vine of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth because they don't have the Spirit of God in their hearts. Ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Let us take heed on these words. Being saturated with information, but starving for godly wisdom. Being saturated with information, but starving for godly wisdom. This is our condition if we don't see God on a continued basis. We have the potential to turn into this. It does not happen overnight. It happens through a course of time. For some people, it will take years. 
For some people, it would happen very quickly depending on their environment. My main point in this message today is this. No man is filled from God and is meant to keep it, but is to be filled again and again. Our human tendencies are to forget and lose these heavenly virtues. We talked about this the other day as well. No man can be inspired and receive a heavenly gift and hang on to it at the same time. No man can be inspired and receive a heavenly gift and, 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 and think that they will hang on to it for an extended period of time. Yes, they can, but they have to keep being connected. Like the heavenly manna that fell daily for the children of Israel, so must we collect heavenly wisdom from God in our quiet time with God in prayer and Bible study and meditation on Scripture. This is what it practically means to be connected to the vine. Number one, being born again. Being born of God. Inviting Jesus into our hearts. We need new wineskins. Our heart needs to be changed at one time in our mature life. There has to be that time. Otherwise, we are, we're not even in it. Uh, number two is prayer time. We need to be connected in God through prayer. We need to be connected through personal Bible reading. And we, need to, we, we stay connected through personal Bible meditation. Um, this is only my experience. We, we need to we stay connected through God, through worship and singing, especially worship. Um, the other day we were singing, How Great Thou Art, and one of my children said, here's your favorite song. I said, yes, I love that song, How Great Thou Art, because it's, it's a song that provides me to just close my eyes and worship. And asking nothing in return, just praising God, just lifting up our hands, um, either physically or in our, in our heart, to just worship with, with not asking anything, just before God's presence in worship. That's important to stay connected. Obedience to the word and truth of the scripture is staying connected, not being hypocritical. Obedience. Uh, Richard again and again preaches on that, on obedience. To the word, not only hearing it but doing it. Um, fellowship with the saints, spiritual, meaningful, life-giving conversation. And, and if you find yourself today with coffee, how are you fellowshipping? Are you per, are we portraying life? Are we giving life in our conversation, or do we constantly want to revert back? to material things, which if you know me, I love to talk about these things as well. But what is our heart throb? Do we love to talk about the things of God and the oracles of God? That is a, a way of staying connected to the vine. We cannot forsake the assembling of ourselves together with the brethren. That is part of being connected to the vine. So these seven things... Um, being born again, prayer, personal Bible reading, Bible meditation, worship, obedience to the word and truth of the scriptures, and fellowship with the saints.
And if you can think of others after the sermon, please share what's being what was uh, what's been very influential in your life to stay connected to the vine. Being a Christian demands obedience. It means a connection to the vine. We cannot be a Christian without obedience. And in closing, I want to read some parts of uh, John 15. I am the true vine. Just meditate on these words. You don't have to follow along. Just meditate on these words. I am the true vine. The Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he take it away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purged it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abided in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Heron is my father glorified, that he bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue you in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Amen.